Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? Macintosh and Mod haven't seen what? I'm Diana. I'm David. This week we finally watched Sound of Music, 1965. A woman leaves an Austrian convent to become a governess to the children of a naval officer widower. How, how has this not been a staple of your life? We didn't watch movie musicals when I was young. So this this was a staple of my home. Mm-hmm. I grew up. We watched. Of course, they played it every year around this Christmas time, and we just, I, I had it on, I had the soundtrack on tape, and I would listen to it as I went to bed. My mother would walk around the house singing, how do you solve a problem like Diana? I mean, <laughs> this is ingrained in my life. I mean, we didn't watch movie musicals, I just watched Disney movies, and I hate musicals. Mm-hmm. I don't hate musicals, but I strongly dislike most of them. Yeah. That's fair. You're I've not come a musical ar- person. I've come around to appreciate them, mm-hmm. but quite a lot of the time, I get bored about halfway through. That's you, fair, because it's, especially the older movie musicals have a lot of exposition that's not necessary, and it's got to be, it's got to be a good story and music to really grab me and mm-hmm. suck me into it. So, okay, well, this is a, a classic. Um, every, uh, it's just. Julie Andrews is a treasure. <laughs> she always will be. Yeah. In part because of this film, also because of Mary Poppins. Uh, this film won five Oscars. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Sound, Best Score, and Best Editing. It uh, Julie Andrews was nominated. She won the Golden Globe, but she did not win the Oscar. Peggy Wood, who plays Mother Abbess, she was nominated. Uh, and then Scenic and Costume Design were both nominated. Okay. That's not bad. It was directed by Robert Wise. Mm-hmm. Who know? made one of my um, secret favorite films, which is The Andromeda Strain. Do you know what else he did before this film? Yeah, West Side Story, The Day the Earth Stood Still, a whole bunch of freaking movies. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about the direction of this film? For a three-hour movie, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. They keep it, they keep it moving, they keep it cracking with with energy i mean mm-hmm. that takes a lot to do to be able to pull that together and when you're working with children yes children um, and musical numbers to be fair the children aren't very good they're kind of the weakest part of the whole movie for me what they're not great even Liesel? <laughs> what Liesel, the grown-up one the one that gets her own real story yeah she's kind of the worst to me <gasps> You should be shot in the corner. There's no believability or character in her. She's having to stand there next to Julie Andrews, so maybe that's part of it. But I just keep going like, I don't care. I just want to hear more about Maria. That's fair, but ugh, you're wrong. Also, you could cut her character entirely out of the story and it would be fine. I understand that it's a true story. I understand that, you know, you can't really get rid of anything out of the story. But if we're just talking from a pure standpoint... That character can just go away. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it makes me sad. But it's true. If you really think about it, 
That that no. story doesn't have to be there at all. No, because that is part of what endears Maria to the children. Liesel is the eldest, and she thinks, I don't need you. And Maria forms this bond with her. I guess, okay, here's then, here's my problem with her character, is the Rolf crap. Rolf doesn't need to exist in this movie at all. He doesn't. He just doesn't. The Nazi stuff comes up anyway. Okay, now, it is different in the stage play. Rolf does not, is not the one who rats them out. I'm pretty sure. Well. Wait, I'm thinking something. But anyways, he does have to exist. No, he really he does. doesn't. He does. That character is completely superfluous to the entire story. Well, not in the movie. <laughs> to me, he is. Again, you cut all of those scenes out and you've saved yourself about 30 minutes of this movie. I think. No. And besides... 16 going on 17 is an amazing song. Mm, not oh. as done in this movie. Let's get there. Let's 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 move. <laughs> because I do like this movie. I'm not just trashing it. Are you sure? Yeah, I do. Wow. Okay, so the writers, they are George Herdelek, Howard Lindsay, uh, Russell Krauss, Ernest Lehman is the one who adapted everything for the screenplay. He's... He's the big one for the movie. Uh, this was a musical beforehand. It okay. premiered in 1959. Oh, it's Lindsay and, and Krauss yeah. along with... Yeah, that would make sense. With and, then, uh, and based on the book by Maria von Trapp, but also based on, you know, of course, the musical by Rodgers and Hammerstein, which is also based on the film movie, The Van Trapp. Like, there is a, there's a lot that this is based on. And they did change things from the original von Trapp family story because that's what you do yeah so maria was called was called to come take care for one of the children who was sick okay and only that child and then that's kind of how that relationship start as opposed to being a governess for all of them yeah i think the little details that you've that you've you know talked about with me what it really sounds like is those details are what really happened, but they didn't give enough dramatic tension to build a story out of. of. So you had to heighten those stakes in order to make it work for the yes. movie, which is fine. Um, they still seem to have stuck pretty closely to what needed to happen, mm -hmm. or what happened, rather. Mm -hmm. So this was Rogers and Hammerstein's last musical that they wrote together. Hammerstein had stomach cancer, and he died uh, just before the musical opened on Broadway. Okay. And the last song he wrote was Edelweiss. Which is beautiful. It's amazing. It's a gorgeous song. We'll talk about the song. <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay, so the since the musical started in 1959, this movie came out in 1965. That's a very short period of time to go from Tony Award winning musical to Best Picture movie. Yeah. Um, now it seems like anytime we have a big musical, we go, okay, well, when the move, when's the movie coming out? And I think they've gotten a little bit better about being, no, we're, we're going to let the stage play be a stage play for a while. Yeah. It, I feel like you, you've got to take that time. Well, I think, um, there's a, some of this is back then people did have better access to movies and theater. That is still true, but people want to preserve the experience of the theater for as long as possible to allow for some national tours to go through before they jump to film. Well, and it's not unusual for the film rights to go ahead and get sold, but um, yeah, they don't 
they don't want that to happen right away. And also sometimes it's such a money making machine. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just immediately put the movie out because you can extend the amount of money you can make off of it. For example, Hamilton. Exactly. Lin-Manuel Miranda has made it very clear. There ain't going to be a movie about this for a very long time because he himself has said, I will be playing Hamilton until you have to push me up on top of that desk. <laughs> He's going to be like Kathy Rigby. He's going to do this until he is literally an old man. Ooh, they're going to have to dye his hair. He has agreed that he will not play Uznavi from uh, In the Heights anymore. He's, I'm too old to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're still planning to make that movie, though, after all the shit with the Weinstein Company. They refuse to do it with him anymore. Um, that's a different thing, but... That's a huge deal for everybody. Well, also, let's talk about Wicked. Wicked won Best Musical. What was that? That was 20, 2003? No, what, they didn't win. Avenue Q won. Avenue Q won. But Sorry. I, that was that very contentious year. <laughs> um, but I think it was 2003, and everyone's been saying, well, where's the Wicked Musical? Where's the Wicked Musical? Well, they're finally just now, 10 years later, talking about, I think they're starting to say, I think it's going to be 2019 or 2020 when it's. They're actually going to release. They're actually working, I think, on the cast oh, yeah. and the adaptation stuff. So, yeah, that was a very quick turnaround. Um, they did write two mu- two songs for the movie, and it's I Have Confidence, which is when Maria is leaving the Abbey to go. And which is a great song. It is an adorable song, and is so Julie Andrews. <laughs> and then Something Good, which is uh, the romantic song between... Um, uh, Captain Von Trapp and Maria in the gazebo. Okay. When they talk about, oh, we, you know, we, we like each other. Uh, okay, so we have to talk about the cast now. Okay. There's there's not a ton of people to talk about. It's mostly Julie Andrews. <laughs> this is only her second big movie. She had only filmed two movies prior to being cast in this one, and neither of them had been released yet. So they were taking a huge gamble on her. To be fair, she had so much stage experience under her belt yes. at this point. Um, there's still the criminal talk of her not being in the My Fair Lady movie. Yes, but she got her she got appropriate revenge for that one. Yes, she did. Um, her being cast in Camelot and being seen by Walt Disney and that is what got her cast in Mary Poppins. She was pregnant when they called her and she said, "I'm pregnant. I can't. I can't do this." And Walt Disney said, "I'll wait." Mm-hmm. Which, funny enough, happened again with. Emily Blunt in the new Mary Poppins. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And she almost didn't do this movie because she felt like it might be considered too similar to Mary Poppins. Yeah. Which is fair. As I'm watching it, I'm like, is this the same story all over again? Lady comes to to care for children. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not because Maria and Mary are two very different characters. Yes, very different. Um that what's what's funny is in Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins never changes. Yeah. She is fully her character from the second she shows up to the second she leaves. That's the same person. Maria has a complete transformation. Yes. Um and it's very it's very cool. And they just both happen to involve singing and children. <laughs> well in Mary... no animation in this one though. No. Yeah, in Mary Poppins, the movie's not about her. She's central to all the other characters changing. She's the she's the device for Right. Bringing this family together. Um, she's a little bit of a device for um, changing Captain Von Trapp, but she did change it's, the children. They're working. They're yeah. going together. Yes. It's a it's a different story arc altogether. Um, funny story. Um, in between takes, she would sing Supercalifragilistic for the kids. I read that just a second but, ago. <laughs> but that movie hadn't come out, so they thought she had made that up. Very funny. It's adorable. Uh 
Julie Andrews has perfect pitch, and she is perfect. Yep. She is the treasure. She can do no wrong. Nope. Uh, it's like just thinking about her, like you can just cry all the time because she's amazing and perfect and lovely and so beautiful. And she's just, and she's also Gru's mom. I know. I didn't realize <laughs> that. <laughs> just pickle me. Gotta love all those children's movies we end up seeing both because we like them and because we have the children. <laughs> oh. No, I have nothing. I have nothing more to say than that. She's incredible. And incredible in this movie. She she does nothing wrong in this film. No. She now, gives a perfect performance. Now we move on to Christopher Plummer, mm. who plays Captain Von Trapp, who it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I realized that's who that was. Because he really does not look anything like his younger self. Yeah. Not that he's aged poorly. He's just one of those people who does not look like their younger self at all. Well, he's aged a lot, and he's he's completely transformed in how he looks. He is 87 years old. Yes. But uh, Christopher Plummer did not want to do this film. <laughs> he is often referred to it as the sound of mucus. He hated the song Edelweiss. He thought it was too schmaltzy. And he was a dick throughout the whole film. He has fully admitted that, but... He has also stated in many, many times that Julie Andrews was nothing but professional and they remain very good friends. He's also freaking awesome in this movie. He is wonderful. In- so charming as hell. I, honestly, the way Captain Von Trapp is, he is so against change and, and against being regimented. Or no, he wants to be regimented. He doesn't want to be carefree. Right. Um, he's raising his children without his wife. As though they are part of, you know, his military, you know, yeah. his troops. Uh, he's got them <laughs> answering to a whistle. Yep. And I think his reluctance to be in this movie and do this serves that character really well. Because his smirks and his attitude, and then when he winks at the little ones, it's just so funny. Yeah. It's, it's very layered. Yeah. And you don't often get that in a musical. Well, he's the... If Maria is the light side of Charming... Then he is the dark side of charming in this movie. Yes, and they complement each other perfectly. He he has he has this wonderful acid um, yes. sarcasm and wit that's just so fun he's to play very, against Maria. He's and the children. He's so bristly. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. Even when even when he's gotten over his I'm gonna be a tough yes. guy bit. He's still got that little bit of winking sarcasm to him. He's, yes, he's very stern. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Well, and just um, the banter between him and Maria is great. Yes. And she's just, like, not phased by him. She's just like, what? Like, what is that? It's a dress. Uh, what? It's rather ugly dress. He's like, like, oh, we give our clothes to the poor. He goes, what about that one? No, the poor didn't want this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the poor didn't want this well, one. It's fun. also really funny because of Julie's very, very proper British accent. She, yes, she has that very lovely accent. Um, that just... betrays a complete just sort of carefree attitude, which you wouldn't expect from that high, high English and mm-hmm. accent. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So we, I, I, Christopher Plummer is just amazing. Yeah, he's great. <sighs> Next person we have to talk about is Peggy Wood, who plays Mother Abbess. And the only reason we're really talking about her is because she was nominated for an Oscar. She didn't need to get it. It was not a very great performance. 
There's nothing remarkable about what she's doing. I thought Eleanor Parker, who plays the Baroness, was better. Yes, because there's a character. Yeah, Me- Mother Ab. Well, okay, that's not. Fair. I, I think Mother Abbess has a much more weight in the stage play, and I think when they made this film, they get, tried to give it that gravitas, gravitas, uh, and it, it doesn't play. Well, you know, I, you do have to wonder sometimes, especially with a musical like this, how much got left on the editing room floor. I mean, because we we'll, we never know how much got cut out of certain characters and got left. And Peggy Wood had a very hard time dubbing for this film, mm. singing along to her track. She could. She had a very hard time doing it. What's funny though is that didn't bother me so much. It was really the the acting is that she's supposed to be kind of a winking and wise uh, governess of the Abbey, and you know she's supposed to be like you know understanding Maria and and being along with her. But then it feels like there's no connection between those two. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just that it didn't it didn't ever come across what her character really was trying to do there. I think it's a really good character. And I think mm-hmm. she, she, she does what she's supposed to. But you don't ever feel like there's real chemistry with her and anybody else in the movie. Which you, I think you should. You should... You should... Um, you should feel that bond between her and Maria. Yeah. And also, I like the other, I like the other nuns better. <laughs> well, they are, they play the silly nuns. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. They're silly nuns. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the children that you don't like. There are seven. <laughs> Liesel, Friedrichs, uh, Louisa, Kurt, Brigitte, Marta, and Gretel. Don't forget Gretel. <laughs> She's five. You don't like the children. <laughs> Okay, let's. They're, okay, we only really kids. need. Okay, there's only two that we have to talk about. We have to talk about Liesel and Gretel, the oldest and the youngest, because the only two who really get much play. First of all, Liesel's got this weird accent going on that yeah. I don't understand. And they've got them. Okay, everybody else in this movie has a British accent, or it's just going what, with whatever normal accent they have, okay? Everybody. You don't get to be mad about that. Amadeus. Well, but hold on, because here's, here's where I'm going with this. All of the children have this tight-clipped German affect. Yes. On what they're saying, but nobody else does. That's not the children's fault, mind you. Mm-hmm. I'm not, so I'm not discouraging them, but that throws you right away because I'm going. Why do they? Why are they all talking in this manner? But everybody else is just going with whatever they've got, right? It bothers me. What bothers me is. It isn't that they do it. It's that they somebody specifically made that choice. And why did they make that choice? Because it's no real explanation for it. Eh. Okay. That's what we're... So it's a little thing, but we start off with that. Liesel, I, I don't feel any connection to that character whatsoever through that performance. Well, you're not a 16-year-old girl. You never have been. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that. Maybe it is. On the other hand, I just think she feels stiff and wooden performance-wise. She is a little stiff. I won't argue that. But her you need her. You need them. You have to have all of them. You need the children as a whole. Mm-hmm. I agree. However, I don't think you need them as much as you have them. At least one of the children... Oh, that's a load of crap. Well, no, uh, you're right. Uh, one, one of the children has to have its own story... 
to help lean to Maria. A kid has to have a story or a problem or something they have to overcome um, to build that bond. This whole thing is that Maria falls in love with the children first. Yes. So you've got to have that. Um, and with Liesel, I don't want a governess. I'm 16 years old. I don't need this. And she's falling in love with the boy. And Maria is also starting to fall in love with somebody, but she doesn't realize it. She doesn't get it. And so that is something that they can bond over while she's also caring for the younger children. Then I guess my issue is I don't buy that from her at any point. I buy it from Maria and I don't buy it from her. Maybe it was that it happened very quickly. Yeah. We go this. Okay. I've had forgot. It's been a while since I've sat down and watched this film. I forgot how quickly we go from song to song to song to song to song. There are a lot of songs. They're all amazing. We should keep them all forever. But it's very quick. Well, and we pack the vast majority of the story into the first act. Mm -hmm. The second half of this movie drags out. A lot tighter. Well, it drags out what I feel like is basically the last third, right? Like, you do two full acts of story in the first part of the movie. And then once you get to the second part, it's like one last act of the movie that just gets dragged mm -hmm. out for 15 to 20 minutes longer than it needs to be. I don't disagree. It could be tighter. So, I think you um, might... And we both don't really like Baroness story. It's not done very well. I well, guess. yeah. And we also talked about... You could do it better... But again, it's one of those things where I'm like, I feel like you could probably get rid of this and we'd be okay. Uh, it could have been a... No, I like the fact that she's starting to fall in love with him. Then he brings this woman home and it's like, oh, here is my first obstacle to... Or here's my obstacle to this going any further. He's got another lady lined up. Oh, these children... She hates the children and the children hate her. That's a, di a whole different... Thing. They should have spent a little bit more time building that... And maybe a little bit more with the captain saying, kids, you have to be nice to her. You have to try. And then there should have been a better argument between him um, and the Baroness saying, my kids are part of the deal. I'm not shipping them off because that's her. That's her plan is to deal with the children, sending them to boarding school. Like that should have been a part of the conflict. Yeah. Well, you know what else? I feel like if you had folded her into the incoming Nazi mm -hmm. storyline, things would have flowed a lot better. Okay. Because I feel like otherwise she is an entire separate subplot that requires so much more time to deal with when you could put the two together and make it work. Okay. Well, in the play, I know this for a fact because I have never seen the musical. I don't think I have either because they don't revive it in any form or fashion, I don't think. No, they have. In high schools, maybe? Uh, well, they do it in high schools all the time. Okay, I've never seen anything I, about I've, it being on stage. No, they did in 1998. Okay. Um, and they did it in London, too, recently. Um, in, in, in the music, the stage musical, the, what causes the Baroness and Captain to break up is the Nazis. Thank God. He is, a, he is fully against Nazis. Thank you. We love that meme of him ripping the Nazi flag because it's been repeated <laughs> over and over and over again and it's still great. Yes, it is. Um, he is against them and she's like, well, you know, we can adopt some of their ideology. And he's just like, nope. So it's an intellectual um, disagreement as opposed to there's this other woman I'm in love with more. Bye. See you later. Well, and, and <laughs> Max, 
Max is supposed to be a little bit of a proxy for that in this movie. They hint at it, but they don't just outright go for it. And if they outright went for it, I'd have believed it a lot more. Max, I don't think is trying to... I think Max is more of like... He wants what's best for his bottom line. It's that, and it's just like, I don't want to get in any trouble. Yeah. I don't want to ruffle feathers. Exactly. And and he's like, if I just sit here and do what I normally do, I'm going to be okay. But I just need to mind my P's and Q's. Which is what most Germans did at that time. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, you know. It does a good job about talking about it without bludgeoning you over the head with it. Yes. Because it wasn't a movie about Nazis. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) that's another funny piece of trivia. When they, they filmed this all in Salzburg. And when it came time to film the scenes in the city, they were going to redress with all of the Nazi flags and stuff. And there was a lot of concern. You know, these people went through this. This has already happened. And the leaders of the town said, we lived through it once and survived. We can do it again. Because <laughs> the other part was it's only going to be for like three weeks. Yeah. I can still understand how that could be considered traumatizing. It depends. It it could be traumatizing. But, you know, historically, I think the other side of it is a lot of these people, I don't know, they, what happened what happened in the camps mm-hmm. was segregated from most people's minds yes like they didn't know what was going on day to day they were fully in the propaganda machine mm-hmm. so i think for a lot of people there was a long time of reckoning with what actually happened mm-hmm. and so i think it you know in a lot of those places it was very like it wasn't that big of a traumatizing event for us it's mm-hmm. some you know it's just a political thing we lived through as opposed to the people it actually affected. And it took a lot of time to make that plain. Um, but I don't know. That's that's just sort of gauging from the history I've seen. Yeah. Speaking of Salzburg, before we get off of it, because I think this is one thing, directing-wise, mm-hmm. that really brings this movie to me. So often, even into the 60s, movie musicals are on a soundstage. Yes. This one isn't. Mm-hmm. And man, it makes this movie 8,000 times better. The gazebo was. It yeah, was too, it was too small to film inside. You can tell certain things are on yes. a stage, but for the most part, when they are out in when the they're hills, outside, they're out outside, and it works. Oh, it's beautiful, perfectly. That's what really sold mm-hmm. that those the movie for me. It elevated it to another level to just be like, I am so glad that we are not on a stage looking at fake scenery because it makes this work ten times better. And he's using the light that's available to him. And you know what? That is part of what made the Sound of Music live that they did last year so horrible. Actually, funny enough, on November 27th, 2013, that's when they did it. For some reason, I thought it was last year. They did, NBC did the Sound of Music live and we turned it on. And this is my, this is my Facebook update from this. I don't really, I really don't understand this live Sound of Music. No matter how good it is, it won't stand up to the Julie Andrew version. I stand by that. We only watched two songs. We didn't need to watch anymore. Yeah. It was so bad. And some of it was, honestly, 99% of it, I can tell you, is the direction. The other 1% is that none of those people can act except for Audrey McDonald, who played Mother Abbess, who's amazing. There were some other people who could act in that She is another Broadway treasure. I don't care who else is in the movie. (laughs) <laughs> the two leads can't act their ways out of paper bags. No. I'm sorry. Carrie Underwood, you have a lovely singing voice. Stick to that. You can't act. Stephen Moyer, you also can't act. I don't I don't know. I don't know. It but I think that was that immediately caught me and I was like, "Ah, oh, I love it." Yeah. I love it when directors use the setting that's available to mm-hmm. them. 
I've, I've got a long list of movies that I could ju- I could watch just because of the scenery and the vis- visuals. Um, oh yeah, I okay. So I don't really care. Like I I want to go back to Europe. I I went to London and France when I was a teenager. Um, I would like to go back, but this is Salzburg is one place that I would totally do the sound of music tour because you can't. I I would love that. I really would. I would be a dorky tourist. Austria is beautiful. I'd love to go to Vienna too. My father's been there actually. Um, growing up, this is what my mom would always tell me: is that Edelweiss is the song that makes my father cry. No, it's a beautiful song. It is beautiful. Okay, so we have to talk. Go through the soundtracks. <laughs> Okay. Some of these songs are so classic and just a part of our everyday lives. Not everyday, but we're theater people, so they're definitely a part of everyday. They're they're beyond so, everyday. There's a lot of these songs that I think almost everyone knows something There's about. nobody who doesn't know about my favorite things. No. There's nobody who doesn't. Okay. Anyway. So we're going to start with The Sound of Music. The Hills Are Alive. I mean, it's classic. I, I think it's been cheesed up and parodied by so many things that it didn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. in a huge way um it is gorgeous it is amazing to watch that helicopter shot mm-hmm. though it's a little funny when they do the helicopter shots and you can see the the blade wind you can see the blowing blade the grass on you can see the actor's tether <laughs> okay so on game of thrones in the most recent season okay a little bit of spoiler for season seven yeah that was season seven sorry <laughs> Um, when the dragon comes up and meets Jon Snow, there's a video of the actor <laughs> Kit Harrington flapping his cape and, and kicking his tether because they had to get so close to him. He physically had to be tethered to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It was very funny. I'm like, I want to see that type of video of Julie Andrews. <laughs> She's not tethered, but <laughs> I could, I, I could imagine it happening and being very funny. Um, Okay, I'm going to skip some of the uh, instrumental, but then we get the the nuns' hymns. Very fun. It's very it's it's the the first time we do it, it's very funny. It, the well, repri- the reprises. No, no, no. Eh. No, this is just the hymns. Them singing their Oh, the hymns. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the song. No, no. We'll sorry. talk about the song. We'll there. Um beautiful. I mean, they're there was so was this an actual choir was this a choral group that did this yeah that's what it sounds like but they have their morning hymn and their alleluias it's gorgeous yeah. and they and they, were these written specifically by rogers and hammerstein mm-hmm. wow yep that's they impressive because they sound like they sound like true canticle hymns yes and then we get maria maria sorry maria is amazing <laughs> Okay, I I mean, I have grown up with that being sung about me, but it's just, it tells you everything you need to know about Maria, that she's just in her own little world at the end. No, it's it's the line, Maria's not an asset to the Abbey. (laughs) That's the line. My only criticism of the song, and it's not the song itself, it's Mm -hmm. how it's done in this movie they the singing style is still so operatic from the nuns i yeah. wish they had done it a little more true musical style yes. where they were just more joking with it presentational yes well some and they're, of the and they're the not like are spoken yeah and and well so that the singing's not necessarily on tune they're okay. making fun of her they're a little snide it would be better if it was performed that you way you know what this this should have been a montage of her not paying attention her not, you know, doing what she needed to do. Her always being late. Because the end of that song is her rushing in, going to the well to clean up her face before she has to put her habit back on. Then running by the nuns, looking at them and going, 
<sighs> Which in in her side, you can just be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> and then just walking <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, because she basically goes, "Why bother?" <laughs> it's just so funny. Yes. And Julie Andrews, she's she's a treasure. I know. Okay, I have confidence. Oh, very fun. It's very, it's very good. Very Maria. Very Maria. Sixteen going on seventeen. Again, I think you can get rid of the song altogether because I think you can get rid of Rolf altogether. I just don't care. Okay, I do not like Rolf. I do not like the actor who plays Rolf. Okay, I know. He reminds me of Brian. That actor. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, I can take that. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we get my favorite things. Um, it's her first song with the children. Yeah. It works in the scene really well. It's a little weird because I'm used to different orchestral arrangements of it. Mm-hmm. Like every time I've heard it, it's been like a full orchestra. And this sounds weird. It, well, you know what else is throwing me off with it? The thunder in the scene. Yes. It, it works in the scene. It was just weird because I think I had such an expectation of it. That's one thing about this movie. You do have to kind of... Some of these songs you know mm-hmm. and you're immediately going to recognize. As soon as that happens, you got to throw away your expectations because it's completely different in how they're using it in the scene versus whatever soundtrack version you've heard. Yes, and then they also, a um, little note about this, is they play, the, they play the orchestral version of this a lot in the background. Yes. Throughout the movie. So... I mean, it's it's Which, it's a good and, scene. Okay, we're we're hitting the holiday season. This is used for tons of commercials all over the place. Yes, it is, and it's beautiful, and it, it gets stuck in your head, and it makes you kind of go do 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 do. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it's the best song with the kids. No, don't worry me. That's the best song with it's the kids. It's precious. Also, I maybe I just hadn't heard it before. I didn't realize that it starts off with a guitar, mm-hmm. and the guitar with it makes it work even better. Well, it builds, I love that arrangement. It, it's it's a it's one of the best sequences in the movie. Yes, it is. Um, because that's where you're seeing her become so endeared to these children. And you're also getting to see all of beautiful, beautiful Salzburg. Yes, it's precious. <laughs> um, but that song is ev- way better, and I like it a whole lot more than I like my favorite things mm-hmm. in this movie. Yes. As a song standalone, they're both great. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Lonely Goat Herd. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna talk about why we have such a weird spot for this song okay so we okay of course i grew up with this so i always liked it um but two years ago in our daughter's first year of dance her recital song was the lonely goat herd and they all look all their her costume is very <laughs> austrian mm-hmm. very precious and this was their song. And so we were singing it all the time. And it just, I told her teacher, I was like, this makes me so happy. It's just so cute. Except that we weren't singing the six minute version of it. No, we didn't this, sing it. That's a little long. This song goes on for a while. Um, what makes it be okay is that the puppet show that's going on while they're doing it and the banter back and forth with Marie and the kids yes. being like, pull the curtain, pull the curtain. Yes. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah, it's it's a lovely sequence. And the song is just so happy. And the, the little things that Julie Andrew does to her voice to sing the song is just, I mean, she has perfect pitch and she has four octaves. Oh, I was, I was saying in the middle of the song, she's, they've got the goats out. No, no, I And when the goats sing, she's bleeding. She's doing the bleeding. <laughs> While she's yodeling. Stuff. I was like, I don't, that's insane. <laughs> that, I know you can do that with your voice, but it's just, you don't see that in 
almost any musical, you, and to hear her do it was just like, wow. Well, I think it's that you don't hear any of the effort that goes into that, because that's not easy. No. And To, to make your voice sound like a goat while you're singing a perfect tone is insane. Fun piece of it, when she was seven years old, she could already sing notes that only dogs could hear. I don't know. She is a musical prodigy. She's in, um, amazing. She's a treasure. And delightful. A She's delight- a treasure. She's a delightful human. And she wrote one of my most favorite books as a child under her pen name, Julie Edwards. Okay. Her husband was Blake Edwards. He passed away a couple years ago. Uh, Edelweiss. Gorgeous song. Christopher Plummer does a great job singing it, too. He does. He really um, does. It's just sweet. He's and he and it's not perfect, but I think it's, that works. It's not. And what's what's interesting about this song um, is that a lot of people assumed it was a, a staple in Austria, and it's not. Uh, the The flower is is specific to Austria, but the song was written for the character um, as his goodbye to his country. Mm, yeah, and it was so. That's what it was for. Um, so it's got a lot of different layers to it, and it's just precious. And uh, there's a lot of emotional weight when you hear it and you see it, and it's just it's so, every time they do Edelweiss, it's done so perfectly. It's perfectly placed yes. when they do it in the movie as well. Yes, when they do the song. So long, farewell. Eh. <gasps> okay, this is just. Okay, okay, you I, know, I understand the best song with the children is Do Re Mi. Do you know why this is undercut so badly for me? Because of Family Guy. Because Seth MacFarlane used it with the kids from Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it just ruined it for me. Because all I can think of when little Gretel is going up the stairs is Stewie doing the exact same thing. <laughs> um... I don't know. It's it's a song. I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. It it's not like it's precious to me and makes me excited. Okay. It's just cute. It's just cute. I'll I'll buy that for sure. Yes. I just don't I And again, they do it again at the end of the show, so it has more weight then. True. So, okay. Climb every mountain. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was from Man of La Mancha for some reason. Okay. The Peggy Wood version, the one that's in this film, is horrible. I hate it. Because, she, again, she's singing in mm-hmm. just a pure opera style. No. And there needs to be more actual the acting. The Audra McDonald version, which I have heard from the live Sound of Music, is amazing. This one also gets undercut for me a bit because it's used in a Monty Python sketch. Yes. <laughs> um, but... It's a it's a great song, emotional swells and everything. Mm-hmm. I I sort of, I I I don't know. I have a I have a weird detached feeling from it at this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the last one because everything else is just a reprise, a reprise later. Yeah, or being sung by a new person. Yeah, is something good. Okay, so I told you this during this movie. I I listen to some weird music. I'm not gonna go into what yes. all I listen to. Yes, you do. But I I found at one point there was this. Australian group that did a bunch of sample music and there was this one song on this real obscure album that I really liked Mm -hmm. and it's sampling some woman's voice singing must have done over and over and over again Mm -hmm. had no idea where it was from 
could not figure it out, hadn't heard anything, heard the song and went, holy crap, there it is. It's from this. Yeah, we had, you were, you were so incensed that you had to pause the movie and then you had to explain to me what was going on. I wasn't incensed. I was just like, oh my God, it's taken me like three years to get to this point. It's pretty good. Um, it's a very pretty song. Um, I think it's very sweet and I think it, it is because they do it in the gazebo in the film. It is very reminiscent of the 16 going on 17 sequence, but this is to mature people. And it's 8,000 times better. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I don't disagree about that. Yeah. I just don't like 16 going on 17. I think. And even more so, I don't like Rolf. I hate Rolf. It's, okay. You're allowed to hate Rolf. I hate Rolf as a character. We could do so much more with that character. I'm, I, I don't want to see him in this movie as presently constituted. Okay. <laughs> you're not allowed to hate the children and you're not allowed to hate Liesl. No, that's probably too strong a voice. Like I said, my problem with Liesl was I never felt like I connected to her in any okay. way. Okay. And that is, that is some fair. Okay. I can buy that criticism. We have to start on like the high end and then we, then we get into the, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta boil it down. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> But you know what's funny is right after we finished watching this, I was just happy because I just kept thinking about it. Yeah. It just makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now it's time to rate this film. You're going to start. Of course, because it's my movie, so I start. Um, I was fully thinking, I was like, I, the second probably gets the five because I still love it. It still has all the weight. It holds up. It's wonderful. But it's going to be a four five. It's going to be a 4.5. Because there are those bits that I feel like we could tighten up in the second act. First act does drag in a few pieces, but there's there's a lot more a lot more stories happening in that. But that's not true of the second act. Yeah, for me, so the wedding the wedding is beautiful. Well, yes, it's gorgeous. Yeah, if we ever decide to do the big wedding because we eloped. We didn't do that. <laughs> we're having we're having a sound of music wedding. That's <laughs> what it's gonna be. And yes, you can sing How Do You Solve a Problem. <laughs> it would not be un inappropriate. <laughs> so I told you... That's it. That's what we're doing for 20. I told you, though, that if we do that, the lyrics are going to change. That's fair. <laughs> uh, it's a four. Um, I am so proud of that. <laughs> because I know you do not like musicals. This one's great. I I have come around on musicals. Bludgeoned him in into a lot it. of different ways. Well, I I've come around on a lot of different things, and I and I do try to take them on their merits a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't quite get there, but um, you know this okay. this one in particular is so well written, so tightly done. The reason I don't go as far as a five with it is simply that, like I say, there it goes on too long. You don't connect to the children. And I don't connect to the children in a huge way. Um, part of that is that they're part of that is that they're kids and up until recently I don't feel like we had strong kid performers that could really get emotional depth. So there's some spoiling on that, that it's, it hasn't been until the past 10 years that you've really seen like very young children give really deep performances Sorry, did for you, me. Did you forget that Shirley Temple existed in the world? She was too old during this time. Though. I haven't seen any Shirley <gasps> Temple movies. How is that a thing? <laughs> oh, oh dear Lord. Oh my God. Not even the little princess. No. You're watching that. <laughs> That's happening. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not okay. 
That's not okay. How'd you not know that? I didn't. Oh, man, we had a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, the 90s movies was bad enough, but come on, Shirley Temple, not even one? No. <sighs> wow. Okay. In any case, because of that, there are certain parts that just don't click for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'll put it out of four for me um, and recognize that this well deserves its stance in, in the classics. Yes. Absolutely. It is a standard. It's a standard. It belongs where it is. It belongs in the best picture canon. It's it's a tentpole mm-hmm. for movie making in a lot of different ways. Movie musical making. Not just movie making in general. I don't. I don't know that I could go. That Some far. of the stuff that Robert Wise does with this movie is completely different to almost any music movie musical, and sets the bar really high mm-hmm. for musicals to do. Yes. You know, jump over this. Well, I think the most recent one we had that I was just like, you could put that on stage and it would be amazing with Chicago. Yeah. And then, you know, see, I had already seen Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, I hadn't seen Chicago before the movie came out. But then seeing Chicago, I enjoy the stage play more because of how it's staged. Well, see, and that's what I liked about when the movie came out with um, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Roger Gere. Yeah. Is that... I was like, oh, you could take most of this and put it directly on stage and it would play just as well as it does on screen. And that's what I liked about it. And then when you and I saw it um, a couple of years when you were doing your reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to do some theater reviews for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, we saw it and I was like, yeah, that was just as fun. And it's very similar. And, that's and ex- I had never seen it on stage. And that's exactly how it's staged almost every time. There's yeah. almost no scenery. It's completely bare bones. It's one set. And then all of that is just used to create different sequences. Yeah. So. Oh, Robert Wise also did West Side Story. So. I know, which is amazing. But that me- that that is one is I feel is carried almost solely on its musical amazingness. True. Because... I love Sondheim, and I hate Lloyd Webber, and that's just the way that's going to be. You should also, you know, throw a shout out there to Leonard freaking Bernstein. Nah, shut it. (laughs) Well. That's all about Sondheim. That is a tough bar to try to jump over, I think. Mm -hmm. Which means my next movie, you know, I don't even want to try to leap over that bar. But I do think you're going to love it. Oh, I'm excited about it. This is one that I've wanted to see for a while. We're going to do the right stuff. Uh, I... I am kind of a space dork. Which is funny that you've never seen this. I know. Like, I'm kind of a space... I went to space camp. I know. So I would would go again as an adult. (laughs) I think one thing about the right stuff is it... It's kind of under... It's it, it, it's kind of underpromoted. Like, it's not a big deal, which is interesting because I think it's one of the best movies about the, the real space race that was ever really made. I don't know. Space camp's pretty good. <laughs> um, but this this is the whole story from the test flights in the desert mm-hmm. all the way through the Mercury Seven. All right. And every single bit of it is in this movie. Um, gorgeous movie too. Okay. Very pretty. Well, I'm excited for it. I'm excited too. And that'll be up next week. Yup. <laughs> All right, so this week, 
We saw Martin McDonough's newest movie, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. A mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. Yeah, I'll be very honest. I was not very excited to see this film. <laughs> we were just kind of in one of those moods. We're like, eh, let's just go see something fun. And like, oh, let's go see Thor again. Yeah. It was so fun. And I wanted to see it again. I was like, okay, we, sh- you know, we should see this film in case it gets nominated because we're we just we need to go ahead and knock it out well and i think also we recognize that we might not this might not come around again mm-hmm. like it, it we we need to see it now because even if it does get nominations there's no telling if it's actually going to make it if our way again yeah if they're going to re-release it so we're like okay let's go do it worth it yes i was pleasantly surprised and part of why okay martin mcdonough he wrote a play that we really enjoyed doing in college. The yes. Couple of Inishman. I did. I just didn't connect those two things because that play is hilarious, and this is right up his alley. There's a lot of cursing, a lot of smack talk, sarcasm, a lot of those real are, rough violence. That's my bread and butter. <laughs> Martin McDonough did to stage plays what Quentin Tarantino did to films. Yes. I mean, and. There's some really dark stuff in his in his playwriting career, but there's also just some really freaking funny stuff. The um, I can't remember. It's the something of Inishmore, but the other the Lieutenant of Inishmore yes. is another one I've seen, and that one's about a, an IRA cat's an IRA member's cat get mm-hmm. disappearing and all of the violence that ensues afterward. Yes, he just takes really inane premises and then blows them out of proportion, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. In this one, I think what's really cool is he takes that and then injects a huge amount of emotional weight to it. Yes. That's what really rockets this one out of the stratosphere to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis McDormand. You know, the, the Alamo has this thing in front of... Um, has this thing in front of the movie. It was like, we don't deserve Frances McDormand. And it just kind of went through all of the nuances of her, the roles she's played from Fargo to Burn After Reading. Starting with Blood Simple. Yeah. With her first movie appearance with the Coen brothers. But she's she's married to Joel. Yeah. I can never remember, but it's Joel that she's married to. Um, um, this movie she actually can, didn't want to do. And her husband just said, oh, just shut up and do it. And by God, it was. Oh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a it's kind of a, it, it's kind of one of those movies that you're like this kind of caps your entire career. We've taken everything you've done and distilled it into this character. It it does for her. I think it takes every all the good stuff we've seen everywhere and puts it all in one person and and expertly too. And everybody in this film has many layers. Yes. And it's very unlikely. And the story goes in some places that I wasn't necessarily prepared for. Yeah. But it's still good, and it is hilarious. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's still dark, but it is hilarious. Uh, so I, uh, I'm i sorry, movie, that I didn't wasn't, like, <laughs> like excited to see you before, but you were very good. And, well, I don't think it's going to be a real contender. Um, I, I think the Golden Globes is probably going to recognize it. I don't know that the Academy will, ex- except for maybe Frances McDormand. It just kind of depends... We're just now getting into all the things that are going to lay out the bigger, the biggest contenders. We saw Lady Bird. Yeah. We know that's going to get Shersha Ronan, Ronan uh, a nomination, probably Laurie Metcalf, um, maybe even Beanie Feldstein. That'd be kind of awesome for her. 
But this is going to give us another woman. Yeah. Maybe Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's freaking amazing. I have never movie. seen him in a movie that I didn't love him in. And this one... It's probably one of his best. He's he's playing dumb in a way I don't know that I've seen before. Dumb and drunk. Dumb and drunk, and yet you care. That's what's incredible about that character. Most often, if you've got a dumb and drunk character, he's there for comic relief, or he's there to completely to disregard... the bad guy. And in this case, he's neither... And you give a shit about him the entire time. Well, it, it just goes back to all of these people have layers. There's Ooh. a lot more. And I really love John Hawks. Oh, John Hawks is great. He is very attractive. <laughs> In a gray wolf. He's great. Um, dark and twisty dude. Um, not, I don't think in real life, but I mean, people have, people have finally gotten on board his train after he did the, I can't remember what the movie was called, but the one with Helen Hunt where he was the guy in an iron lung. Oh, yeah. That was when he got his, his big nomination push. Um, oh, he was in Lincoln recently, too. Oh, he's been in almost everything. Really, oh, he's we... Been, he's, been, he's been around forever. We caught on to him with Deadwood. <laughs> in was, a lot of ways. Oh, my God! He's him in Deadwood! You forget that that's him. I, he's he, like Sam Rockwell. He chameleons into everything. They're both such chameleons. And, yeah. And, and the thing is, they're not even doing that much... To change their appearance. No. Which is such a testament to them as actors. There's another one. There's another actor who we're going to see pretty soon that does that in everything. And that's Gary Oldman. Oh, God. He's the master of that. Oh, I rem- Oh, yeah. Every movie you see him in, you're like... Darkest Hour. That's you? Oh, I think we talked about it previously on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We saw the preview for Darkest Hour, and I'm like, who's that? I know it. Who is it? And you said, Gary Oldman, what the fuck? The only reason we haven't seen it yet is because it's not wide. Once it's, it goes wide, we'll definitely be out to see it. Okay, so we do occasionally see films that aren't at the Alamo. Why? I don't know, but... But, well, we're just going to have to once we get to... Once we get nominations out in January. I know. Um, but it is playing in our area, but it's not playing at a time period that is that works for us. Um, and it's far away. Like I said, I think it, I think it's just... It's, it's in limited release right now. It's going to go wide later. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Harrelson. Man, that dude just gets better... The longer he has really he's out gotten there, better with age. He has. And it wasn't like he wasn't. I mean, he was hilarious on Cheers. But you know what? The best thing he's done, still True Detective. Oh, yeah. By far. I still think that's the best thing I've seen. Um, him. He's great. And he's great in this movie in a not leading role. Because he's surprisingly not. No. Um, And then one little shout out. Lucas Hedges, who we just saw, who was great in Lady Bird. Yes. Also pretty fantastic in this. Yes. <laughs> um. So there's an up and comer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about Oscars. Frances McDormand is getting nominated for this movie. Hands down. She's getting nominated. I will say yes, so long as they don't nominate Meryl Streep for The Post. Mm, don't do it, guys. Okay, here's the thing. I love you, Meryl Streep. You're a treasure, just like Julie Andrews. However, you've got three performance Oscars. You're done. Well, and just from what I don't want to give you any more. I'm done. Just from what I'm seeing of the post, it doesn't look like she's doing anything different than she's done before. It doesn't look like there's a new element. It looks very element. much like her character in Iron Lady. Yeah. Very similar. I, a little... It's s- probably not. I'm not trying to discredit her performance. No. But it's just like... She I, doesn't need another statue. It doesn't look like there's anything unique about this performance that sets apart from anything else she's done. Yes. I think the side characters are going to be the more interesting part of that movie. Honestly. Agre- oh, no. Agreed. Um... I think Sam Rockwell could easily get nominated for supporting actor for this movie. 
because he's just that good. I'm just saying, this is yeah. a smaller movie. We have so much coming down. True. That I fe- and again, we have Disaster Artist coming out next weekend that we are so excited about. We have three movies next week um, <laughs> that we, we are going to try and figure out how we can get them done in one day. But the other one that I've, I've got to give some credit to is I think easily Martin McDonough gets nominated for original screenplay. I, I think that's a shoe in. I think if for there, sure. if there is one Oscar that is this will probably get nominated for it's that. Mm-hmm. If he's, it's not that, it's Francis. He's going in for for um, original screenplay hands down because it's just too well written, too tight a movie. Nothing feels superfluous in the writing of it. It just clicks mm-hmm. on every level in that in that respect. Um, I mean, you know, it's worth the money. It really is. And I don't think it's a super wide release. Like, the Alamo has it as one of their recommends movies, which that's what they do for a lot of their indie stuff. Mm-hmm. So if it's in your area, go see it. Yeah, it's worth it. It does It does have a lot of harsh language, uh, but... And deals with some really hard stuff. I mean, there's some, you know, for in terms it, of trigger stuff, there's ta- they it, talk about rape. They talk about rape, and they talk a lot about race. And there's also a lot of issues with suicide. And police brutality. So, just... Be forewarned that you're in for a bit of a, a bit of a ride on this one, and if you're okay with that, then totally go see it. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, but we have three movies next week. Yeah, we have I, we have Itania, Disaster Artist, in the Shape of Water. I don't know how we're gonna do it. We're, we're, we we're, may not. We're but... sh- we're shuffling schedules, looking to see can we can we make this all fit. How, how early do we have to start to get all these movies in, and which theaters do we have to go to to make it happen? I know because all of them look amazing. We know they're all contenders, and we want to see them all so much. Well, we're gonna see them all. Oh yeah. It's just a matter of are we gonna see them all in the same weekend? It's gonna be a long ass day. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. All right, you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye! That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.